Welcome to episode 30 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. On Stageworthy, I interview people who make theater, actors, directors, playwrights, and more, and talk to them about everything from why they chose the theater to their work process and anything in between. My guest is Jessica Anderson, a playwright, an arts administrator, and also the interim director of the Hamilton Fringe Festival. Speaking of Hamilton Fringe, my play The Commandment opens at Hamilton Fringe this Friday, July 15th at 10.30pm. If you're in the area, I hope you can come and join me. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use, and consider leaving a comment or rating. Fringe since February, so Frostbites was my first week at the Fringe. <laughs> actually, so it was a great way to to jump in. And so I'm the interim festival director while Claire Calman, the ED, is on maternity leave. So I've started on a contract with them to kind of take us through the 13th Fringe Festival sure. while she's taking care of her baby. Did you? I mean, the, were you involved with Fringe at all before you came as a volunteer or anything like that? Or? I actually didn't live in Hamilton before that. I was involved as a patron. Okay. I've been to the Hamilton Fringe yeah. the last few years because I've been um, part of the playwright at uh, part of the playwrights unit at mm-hmm. Theatre Aquarius. Okay. So it was my first kind of intro into Hamilton, uh, but I was living in Waterloo at the time. Mm-hmm. So I started coming more and more to Hamilton twice a month for for about two years mm-hmm. to be to do this unit. I was like, I like kind of what's going on in Hamilton, yeah. and started. To, I was like, I think I want to be part of this scene and what's developing here. So when my job, when my contract ended in Waterloo, and I thought, where am I going to go? I thought, yeah. well, I'm going to come to Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I had a show in the studio series at Aquarius in December. Really liked it here. So I moved in December, and that's when this job posting came up. (laughs) (laughs) And so I thought, well, this might be a good way to get jump right in to the community. So I applied for the job, and I got the job in January. So that was my sort of history. I was a a patron, and because I was involved with other writers in Hamilton, I certainly had been to the Hamilton Mm -hmm. Fringe a couple of times. So as far as your your theater... uh career goes you've been primarily a, a playwright a playwright yeah so just to kind of get away from the fringe for a second um what what is it that, that drew you to writing plays i i was always really quiet i was a really shy kid and but i always liked drama and theater mm-hmm. so when i was this, this was my my big moment. When I was 10, I wrote a murder mystery play called Murder and Other Problems, and I made my grade 5 class act it out. <laughs> and I kind of sat and watched, and I was like, it was sort of fun to see my voice in different voices. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me a voice without actually having to speak yeah. in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. And I was like, I like that. Like, I like that I can express myself, but I, you know, don't that I have this kind of barrier, and yeah. I have this ability to almost, like, become different people. 
So that that's kind of was my first sort of like, oh, I kind of like this, mm -hmm. you know, it's... And then, you know, it was successful. It toured to the classroom next door. So, you oh, know, hey, when yeah. You, when you can get a tour like that right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. So, and then I got involved with, with dancing and they made us take an acting class to perform. And I thought, well, I like, I'm liking theater. So I ended up going to a performing arts high school mm -hmm. in Toronto. Um, I was born and raised in Oakville, but I commuted. I was a commuter kid to school. Mm -hmm. And because of the school, they had playwriting options as uh, one of their English kind of electives. Yeah. So I started playwriting more than, you know, and taking act because I was a drama major. So I, mm. it was primarily focused on acting. And I kind of, the more actors I got to know, the more I figured out I'm not going to be an actor. Yeah. You know, I, I know that. But we did a, I did the playwriting course. It ended up going to the Sears Drama Festival. Mm. So we, I kind of did that. I did an undergrad in drama and English, and then was doing that whole, what do I do with this drama degree yeah. now, and, and what do I want to do, and I kind of went back to the writing and thought, I'd really like to, to do more writing, I didn't do as much of it in university, I took playwriting, but I, you know, it was mostly essays, and I, a lot of it was reading, and things yeah. like that, so I went to college, and I did a graduate certificate in script writing, mm. which was all writing, in different mediums, yeah. and I thought, I want a portfolio, I want something... I want to learn how to get a job, Yeah, <laughs> which college is kind of more, it's more, you know, university was very, this is how you think, and let's yes, discuss yeah. the, the meaning of Hamlet and yeah. the, his external struggle, and college is very much like, this is how you work, this yes. is, yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah. how you make money, yeah. yeah. Which college did you go to? I went to Algonquin College oh, okay, cool. in Ottawa. So, and then from there, I, I started working on a play. I went to college with this delusion because I was a theater undergrad that everybody wanted to do theater, and of course everybody wanted to write movies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, but, so I was kind of the theater person in that program, so I started writing a, a play mm -hmm. there, and it took six years. That was my first full-length production mm -hmm. from that homework assignment, that 15-page play. I ended up going to play in New York in mm -hmm. 2013, and so, and they, and college sort of taught me how to kind of keep going and keep pursuing contests yeah. and keep your work out there and, and kind of how to do that. Yeah. So kind of since then I've been kept on trucking. It's interesting how, um, when people think, I know I've encountered this a lot when it's mm -hmm. like reading scripts, it always ends up to skew more towards the screenplay or movie than, than theater. Um, and yet I, I feel like. I don't know. Uh, I don't know much about the theater scene in Hamilton. I'm hoping to learn a lot today at the Art Crawl and and during Fringe. But I know in Toronto, there's all kinds of there's the storefront and indie theaters kind of exploding and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I would think that I'd be more interested in like writing for the theater than for a movie where the budget is astronomical and there's always like you have to get the camera and things like that. But that's just me. No, and I mean, I think theater too, it, it teaches you how to get to the core of a character because you don't have visual elements to explain your story yeah. all the time. You have to kind of think, how am I going to tell this story yeah. if I can only tell it through words and character? You know, if there is a small budget, you know, it's great to have budget for set and costumes yeah. and all that, but... You know, I was never a visual writer, so mm -hmm. that's yeah. kind of why I was never a good screenwriter. I yeah. didn't, I don't think visually. I, I have a similar thing. I think there's a lot of that in playwriting because you're so used to really all you have is the words and the the words mostly is what you have on the stage and a few actions, but you certainly can't have like a big action scene for the most part. Or if you can, it, it might be very interpretive. Yes. You know, yeah, the director yeah, yeah, might yeah. take some some liberty with. Yeah. 
um, with that. And I think with playwriting too, you know, which is another different thing than uh, screenwriting, is they can't change any of your words. They can certainly change any of your stage directions. Yeah, but they can't change your words. They can't yeah. change your words. So, yeah. so it, it's protected in a way that that screenplays aren't yeah. when it's optioned and it all yeah. of a sudden becomes someone else's property. I also find that in in playwriting. Um, there's more of an acknowledgement uh, of the collaboration because I often like stage directions are for me are often so so minimal because I know they're going to be ignored or or changed they're a suggest they're taken as a suggestion so it becomes more of the collaboration. Yeah, you certainly see that with with directors and and you certainly see that in the in the room too when it depends on how you know it depends on something as simple as how it what your stage size is yeah, you know yeah. things might have to change. Or sometimes, yeah, you know, it's actors going, I don't feel like I should sit down on that line. Yes, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. building to this this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I I try to avoid, you know, if I really want something in, I try to make my stage directions really sparse. I'm like, you have to pay attention to that one because yeah. I only gave you three. Yes, so please yeah. acknowledge yeah. that. I also like the constraint of playwriting because you don't have, you know, you're not going to have a budget. So you have to write with, minimalist tendencies really in, in a way that you wouldn't have to for for a film no I, I, and i think that that is part of what why a lot of a lot of even good movies started as play i mean aaron mm-hmm. sorkin started as a playwright and yeah. you know and not write screenplays but you know it really lets you focus on storytelling you really yeah. have to focus on the story and yeah. the arc of the story and structurally you cannot get to you know, if you take away a lot of movies you look at, you take away a lot of the special effects and stuff, there is no core real story. And I yeah. think playwriting, whether you want to write for movies or theater or anything like that, it, it will teach you how to structure, yeah, you know, absolutely. and how to story tell that way. Yeah. And it will teach you to be creative with stage directions. I think yeah. Sarah Rule has a play which has one of my favorite stage directions, which is a horse appears on stage in brackets. A real horse would be nice, but not necessary, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which you know, so you can get creative, and you Absolutely, can, yeah. and you can, and theater lets you do that. Audiences will accept that in a play. Will yeah. accept kind of representational imagery. Yeah. They don't do that in the movies. No, no, they don't. <laughs> well, maybe some really weird art house movies, right. but very rarely. You're not going to go to Cineplex and see something like no, that. No. Another thing that I like that's sort of interesting about sort of that that sort of like the minimalist. And uh, and being able to be a little more uh, interpretive is falls into sort of the fringe aspect in that um, for most fringe plays you you certainly don't don't have a, a set or certainly can't afford one or if you can you better make sure you can get that in your fifteen minutes and get out in fifteen minutes and so you have to be really economical um, which sort of lends more towards the uh, being as minimal as possible with with what you have uh, which leads to some really creative solutions to fringe. No, and I think you have to kind of think outside the box, and you have to think even even as simple as you don't choose your own venue. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're working with the space that you are given. Absolutely, and yeah. you could be doing also you could be doing a fringe tour with the same show, and you walk into your third venue, and you go, "Oh, this wasn't like the one in Calgary." Yeah, yeah. we've got to make some adjustments, yeah. but. I think it makes you think about your work too, yeah. and, and think about okay, how's the, what's the best way I can convey the message and the point of this piece? It makes you think, what is the point of my piece, and what is the most important yeah. thing I want to say? Because you have to be, you know, economical with what you're showing and what you're doing in terms of set and costume, 
So I think it makes you focus on really the message and what, why do I want to put on this piece and what do I want to say with this piece? Yeah. And it will make you kind of pare that thinking down outside of a, you know, a huge splashy set yeah. or costumes, anything like that. And it, it really lets people focus on the work in a way that doesn't always happen with, you know, sort of bigger budget production. Absolutely. And you have to be flexible. Yeah. Because like you said, if you walk into, if you're on a free turn, you walk into one venue, you may have to do a little bit of reblocking to make it work with what you have, or even to hit a light because the lighting situation will be different in the location. So it's really, you know, you always just have to, to roll with whatever you're given. Um, can you... Is, is there something that you can think of that makes the Hamilton Fringe unique in the Fringe... Uh, uh, the world? The Fringe, world, <laughs> the fringe yeah. festival world? Um, what, I, what I noticed, I lived in Ottawa for years, and I, you know, I'm certainly familiar with Toronto and other areas. What is big, I think, with Hamilton in a way, and this is the artistic community in general, is the cross-collaboration between mm. the disciplines. Mm. We do a gallery series in the art galleries. The 20-minute shows are there. We, you know, we partner with the regional theater here. They, they give, they're one of our venues and they're very happy to be, and they're one of our big sponsors. You don't see that kind of cross in big urban centers. You don't always see the same, like you won't see the same people at, you know, at film festivals that you see at the fringe. Right. Here you do. The cross collaboration is interesting because I know having been, I mean, I've, I've been at a number toured to a number of, of fringe festivals, including Toronto, mm -hmm. and in a lot of cases, the the disciplines don't cross pollinate. So you'll find the actors and the dancers do not right really socialize much. You often find the dance the dance pieces and the dance groups are in their own place, and occasionally, right, it, never do, is there is there even really a contact. <laughs> well, I mean, one more smaller than the Toronto Fringe, so there's that. We and our our Fringe Club is of the Baltimore House, which is the local, you know, a local hamp for a lot of artists. Mm -hmm. So there is that kind of, and you know, for instance, this year two of our dance pieces are in two art galleries. So even if those people aren't in the Fringe, it's dancers working, you know, with in conjunction with kind of by default the visual art community, right? Yeah, and. We, you know, it's kind of like art crawl is something where you'll go out and you'll talk to and people will be on the street talking about different things. So you yeah. can go up and you can talk to a mixed media specialist, even if you're a theater artist yeah. or if you're a ballerina, you can go and you can talk to a filmmaker or a musician. And Hamilton has this, it's collectively, I think we want to show people what we're doing. And we yeah. want people to know that there is you know, there is something here and something is growing and something exciting is happening yeah. here. So there is this kind of, you do get the sense that the artistic community as a whole wants to do work together mm. to, to promote that and to really, you know, it's not like, well, no, if you get, you're successful, we won't be. It's no, if we do this together yeah. and we, we keep creating work and we keep doing it and we keep showing people, we keep bringing people in, which I think the fringe is great for bringing people in to the city to, yeah. this is what we're doing, you know? Yeah to kind of eliminate any kind of misconceptions or kind of pre-notions people have about Hamilton who've never been here or maybe yeah. know it mostly as a steel town or yeah. something that they pass through on the way to wherever they might be going, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, um, just the idea, like, because every fringe is different mm -hmm. and every, friend, every fringe has its own way of doing things so that you find the personality of the fringe. Um, 
you were talking about like the audience and that art crawl helps to, to build the audience and the collaboration and that one person doesn't take away from another. When I was doing a show at the Montreal Fringe, they had this seminar on the first, like even before they opened, the artists were arriving and they had this seminar about, similar to the Europe to your publicity seminar, but right. sort of like giving an idea of what's unique about Montreal. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that stuck, that stuck with me and has always stuck with me is that there is audience enough for everyone. That it's like you said, your success does not diminish my success. Your success can help my success. And it's, I think that's very fringe. It's very fringe, and I think, you know, audience builds audience. I mean, there is this sort of, sometimes you see it in, in the bigger urban centers, and you know, that, no, you're going to take away my audience, and if you go to this show instead of this show, or even you go to big regional instead of fringe, right? Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're dividing audience, and I don't think that's true. I think if you generate interest in the art, people want to see more of it, and they want to understand where it comes from. Yeah. And it is a way to generate interest, and the more people we have interested in the community as a whole, the more audience we will build yeah. that way. It's like um, going to a movie does not mean that you're not going to go to another movie. Exactly. And I think, I think that theaters, that independent theaters especially, would benefit from um, more uh, collaborative promotion that um, they could, uh, you know, I talk about your show, you talk about my show, we each have our audiences and then we each have a bigger audience because we're sharing because we built and it's yeah. it's one of those things just because you go to a big budget movie doesn't mean you're not going to go to an independent exactly. movie you know exactly. you, you, you can share that you know yeah. but there is this and Fringe is great for that because you will see especially in Hamilton there is a lot of you know after after a show hey this is the next show in this venue you should check it out or hey if you liked our show and we're kind of a fun farce these other guys are doing improv at a different venue maybe yeah. go check them out I, I, as a patron at the Fringe, like that was great. After shows, I would see people. Anybody here, another Fringe artist? Anybody want to plug a show? Yeah. And people would stand up mm -hmm. and it, you know and say yes. You know, I'm here to see these guys. But if you want to come check me out, or I'm here to talk to you, and there, there is that sense of you no. Know, let's get as many people out and let's get as many people into downtown Hamilton. You know, yeah. you know, and let them show them what it's like. Basically, when the artists take over downtown, because that's what we do. <laughs> You know, it's yeah. not a huge downtown, and we, you know, we're over 11 venues, and we're we're spread out a little bit, but we're pretty concentrated. So it's a good way to sort of see what's going on downtown. Yeah. Too. It looks to me like you could walk to most venues in about from one venue to another in 20 minutes at the most. It looks like at the most. Yeah. And people think some of those 20 minute venues are, are farther because like we are very concentrated. Yeah. It's very it's interesting because it, that's a little bit like like Ed, uh, the uh, the Edmonton Fringe, which is very in the venues are all concentrated in one area of the city, so that the hardest ones to get to are actually the bring your own venues because everything is like concentrated in this one area, which is amazing. Um, it's the same as us, or bring yeah. your own venue at the staircase, I believe like geographically is the farthest yeah. venue, yeah. but it's got three theaters in it, so yeah. so there's yeah. lots that's, of programming. That's, that's, yeah. that's great. Um, you guys do something that is similar to something that Montreal has done for years. You, your kickoff, mm -hmm. you do uh, something similar to their fringe for all, you have people present uh, Previews, yes, yes, of, of their of their shows. Um, that's also a fundraiser for Fringe as well. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, 
Has that always been part of Fringe here? No, this is the third year we're doing it. Um, London does it as well. And what we've found, and my, it's a good way to kind of get people out. It's a, it's a good way for audience to kind of decide what they want to see, too. And it's a good way to kind of introduce the Fringe to the community. And I know the in one of the first years they did it, you know, politicians came and they had a kind of a contest to see the more money they raised, the better the Shakespearean monologue they got. You know, they got to play a better, they got to, they had to play a villain if they didn't raise so much money and they had, they got to play one of the lovers or one of the heroes if they did. So that was kind of a fun thing for them to do. And so there's a different theme every year. Last year, because of the Pan Am games, it was Let the Games Began and there were improv games and the cheerleading squad from McMaster came. So it's kind of a theme thing. And it's it's also a way to celebrate the fringe and kind of get everybody... A lot of the artists don't get the chance to meet each other because they're acting... You know, they don't don't cross over. Their schedules, you know, match. And a lot of people who would love to see a lot of work can't because they're in the actual fringe. So it's a nice way, too, for the artists to get to meet each other and see what other people are doing. And it's a nice way for Hamilton to kind of see... What the fringe is. Not everybody knows exactly what a fringe is, so yeah. it's a nice way to be like, no, this is what you're going to see, and you could see anything. Like, look at the variety we have, because yeah. there is dance, there's magic, there's improv, there's theater, there's, you know, solo shows, there's new work, there is, you know, work by Sarah Kane, and, yeah. you know, there's that's kind of an important thing. You get a real spectrum of the variety of what's going to happen yeah. in the 11 days on that night. And, and you know, the actors, the performers getting together and being able to meet each other is an important part of any fringe. But it's hard, like you're saying, it's hard to do. Um, Montreal has uh, the 13th Hour, which is uh, a sort of like a night, sh- uh, a, a talk show, variety show. Right. That happens at, at like midnight, um, followed by a dance party. <laughs> um, I didn't really have the energy to do that far too late, but um, it was very uh, one of those things. But it's always... It, that's where the actors, that's where performers would meet is by going to that or we, like running into each We do have a fringe club where we do have theme nights like yeah. that at the Baltimore House, which is just on King William, which mm-hmm. is, it's literally at the epicenter of all the venues. Mm-hmm. So we do, we do have that for the performers. Mm-hmm. So that is something that is, is popular and we're encouraging, you know, more and more people to come out every year mm-hmm. and audience members too. It's nice when audience can meet the artists. Yes. And, and that's something yeah. about Hamilton Fringe that you wouldn't necessarily see with Toronto as much is that they would interact a little bit more because they're not heading right to the TTC, right? They're, yes, they're yeah. downtown for the day. Yeah. They're not coming in real quick for one show. Yeah. You kind of, you like, everything is closed, so you can literally fringe for the day and yeah. walk around downtown. And... I do find that the, the Fringe Club at the Toronto Fringe is a little bit um, exclusive that um, somebody who was not from the community wouldn't quite feel at home there. It's, it's a little too um, inside baseball. I see. You know, yeah, like, I've been to the French yeah, Club in Toronto. Yeah, um, there's a lot. It's something. There's a lot that sets the the Hamilton Fringe uh, Festival apart from some of the other ones, and as well as just the Hamilton itself. Um, are there are there things that you're looking forward to? In as I mean, you're this is like you've been the interim artistic director of the of the of the Fringe for since February. Yep. And so you've done your frostbites. I didn't do frostbites. Claire, Claire, I I kind of came in and she had planned this great site specific winter festival. And that was kind of, I officially started as the interim festival director in March and I came in to sort of help with frostbites, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be 
set of hands in February. So yeah. Claire curated that, which was just really exciting. Yeah. It was Hamilton's first site-specific winter festival, which was exciting. And so it was a great way to start and kind of see what the what the vision of yes. the future was and, yeah. and where Claire had kind of built some of her programming. And so, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what's exciting for me is I kind of started right at the time where we were just getting in the tech writers, we were just getting in the publicity, mm -hmm. we were just starting to, you know, put together the programming. So I've sort of seen seen just the beginnings and I've seen it build and now I'm seeing people who are tweeting and putting videos out about their rehearsals and I'm watching mm. I'm watching them go from, you know, literally pieces of paper to these productions yes, that have, yeah. that are building and I'm really excited yeah. to see, you know, it's kind of like watching somebody grow up. <laughs> sort of a little bit yeah. and seeing how the you know seeing what the, what these shows become and what the programming is all going to look like mm. together because we have such I mean it's like any fringe but you know we have such a, a wide spectrum of programming this year that I'm really excited to see what the different shows bring to the table and how they complement each other and, and what people are going to want to see and mm. and so that I'm, I'm excited to experience it, you know, almost you, as a patron. Do you get to watch shows? We do. We, we're busy. <laughs> <laughs> but we, me and the general manager have sort of agreed that we're going to try try to let each other see some shows. Like, there is always somebody in the fringe office during yes. the fringe. Yeah. You know, that, that happens, and that's, I think everybody would want it that way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yes, yeah. But, you know, there, you know, there, hopefully there are, you know, if, the companies are willing there will be opportunities to see rehearsals mm -hmm. and i'm that's part of the reason i'm excited for the kickoff because i won't get to see all 48 shows of course, of course. so but if all 48 come and do a preview i'm at least going to get a little, a, a little bit yeah. so i think that's why the kickoff is great too it's yeah. you know i'm selfishly it's good for me because i can yeah. see what's going to happen in the next 11 days yeah how important are the art crawls to to fringe because you do there's two right before fringe you've got the one that's Tonight we're recording this in June and one mm -hmm. uh, July 8th, mm -hmm. which is, I would imagine that that one would be hugely important. That one's huge for the Fringe and it's huge for the Fringe companies as well. Mm. And what we, because uh, we encourage the companies to come out and get, you know, postcards and buttons from us, but we also encourage them to go out as a company mm -hmm. and really promote under the branch of the Fringe. Yeah. So we sort of, were, were there more a support to promote the companies and to yeah. promote people to just to come downtown and to get, you know, get a binge pass or get yeah. a, a pass and see more than one thing. And that's a big one for us too. And we really do encourage people, you know, it's like, don't just invite your friends, like come and say, if you're coming downtown to see this, yeah. come mm -hmm. see this, you know, it's, it's a chance to experience something new for the first time. It's $10. If you, if you really don't like it, it was ten dollars. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. why not? This would be. This is the time, and this is the place to experience something you might, you yeah. might not have been sure of. And it, it's, it's interesting to watch how the different companies promote, you know, their different shows and, and things mm -hmm. like that. It's it's always interesting because I know for myself, I never have a problem with with the ten dollars. I know that it's only you know it's only ten dollars. I always get a little nervous about the ninety minute category <laughs> myself because if it's ten dollars for an hour, I always feel like. It's, it's a, if it's an hour, if I don't like it, it's only an hour. Something about passing that sixty-minute mark, if it's bad, it just if it's not good. I just I, well, it's one of those painful moments. Yeah. We we have we we do have four ninety-minute slots, mm -hmm. and which is interesting now because we, we're seeing it in the world of you know professional theater that the ninety-minute one act is very rapidly replacing the two-hour show with That's intermission. That's actually very true in the indie theater. I see that a lot. Yeah. 
So I think I actually think it's it's actually good because it kind of incre- this this is what professional theaters are picking up. So I mm-hmm. think those slots are good, and I mean, you, you know, it's it's like anything else. Sometimes shows can feel too long if they're ten minutes. Yes, you know, yes, if they're yeah, if they're yeah. uncertain quality. Um, but but it can be. It can be fun, and we have we do have the ninety minute slots. We also have a twenty minute gallery series, mm-hmm. so you can go and check out. You can see the you know the shorter shows or the longer shows, and you can kind of balance out. Mm-hmm. And it is it's quite amazing what people can say in in twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the ninety minutes, you know, this year I think you know have some they sound interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the longer shows are like and mm-hmm. and what they're about. Are there returning companies that you enjoy watching? I I know Ryan Ciro's company make art theater. They tend to do the fringe every year, and they they always have some fun stuff going on. Um, I've been in the last couple of years, and that's the one I've seen return. Or they've they've mm-hmm. they've made it in through the lottery, yeah. you know, last couple of years. But I know that people people do come out to see them, and they usually do fun shows, and they're known in the community as well mm-hmm. as they do shows outside of the fringe. So they're doing a show this year, so it'll be interesting to see. They did Shakespeare last year. Nice. So they did a condensed version of Much Do But Nothing. And this year it's an original script, so it's it's always interesting to see what mm-hmm. when you're kind of going back and forth between that kind of programming, what people do and, and how they're different and how yeah. people approach doing a, a pre written work as opposed to brand new work. Nice. Yeah, that's interesting. As a recent transplant to Hamilton and I mean, you, you came here like twice a month before you moved here. Yes. But now that you now that you live here, mm-hmm. what's the biggest thing that surprised you about Hamilton when you lived here? Once you started living here, what? That's a good question. Um, I think I I think the big thing that did surprise me was just how not that this was to be unexpected, but how easy it was to talk to people about the art scene. How and how proud people were to be from Hamilton not that you shouldn't be proud but you know I went to talk to you know somebody at City Hall and she sat down with me and she was like I got to tell you about the restaurant scene I got to tell you about the cultural scene she was excited to share their city people are really proud here Mm -hmm. and they're really easy to talk to and they're really easy you know as somebody new who I you know I'd lived in Ottawa for years I didn't you know I knew a couple people here but not that many how many people I was able to call and were like yeah I'll meet you for coffee and Mm -hmm. didn't didn't know me Mm. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want, and we're excited. Like, I want to tell you why you should move here, why you should stay here. Mm. And people are really, really excited about what's going on mm. here. And, and there is that energy, and you don't feel that energy when you're only here twice a month, but you certainly feel it when you're here. And people go, "No, you have to. No, you don't. You know, you have to stay here. You have to be part mm. of what's going on right now. Yeah. And not just not just artistically, people are excited about." You know, the hospitality industry here and things I didn't know, like, you know, there are hiking trails in Hamilton, which is not something that is widely associated, but they're beautiful and all that kind of thing. So I think that, and it's a very distinctive landscape, um, not to, I mean, I'm from Oakville, not to bash on Oakville, but there are parts of Oakville where I could just as easily be in Barry because I know that <laughs> store is there and it's all lined up and it's yeah, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Hamilton, there is never any doubt, no matter where you go in the city, that you are in Hamilton. Mm. It's very distinctive, mm. like physically and visually because of the escarpment and just because of the nature of the way the businesses are. Like there is, there's a very specific aesthetic mm. and feel that you would 
there's no doubt that you're in mm -hmm. Hamilton culturally you know it's, it's it's it is its own it's its own thing great i really want to thank you for talking to me today no, thank this you for having me thank you